Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of the Pro Basketball Talk podcast here at NBC Sports. I'm Kurt Heelan, managing editor of the NBA page at NBC. And today we're going to talk uh, Eastern Conference a little, fast starts, slow starts, and the Washington Wizards, who are off to a slower start than they'd hoped. Uh, and we're bringing in to do that Chase Hughes from NBC Sports Washington. How you doing, Chase? Doing great, Kurt. Good to be back on with you. It's great to have you here. The Wizards started off the first couple of games. You're like, hey, maybe there's something here, but they have uh, stumbled of late. Four and six record on the season, but it's not looked quite as good recently. No, yeah, as you mentioned, they were three and one to open the year and were kind of taking advantage of a soft opening in their schedule. You could see it coming in that the first five games were much more manageable than the second five games where they saw the Celtics and then the Sixers back to back and the Mm -hmm. Grizzlies, and not surprisingly, they've had trouble with those teams. Um, But they were taking advantage of it early on, and then that fifth game was like the final winnable game before the tough stretch happened, and it kind of proved to be a trap game. They lost to the uh, Indiana Pacers at home, and they've just struggled to regain momentum now losing five of their last six games. That has come with their stars largely, although Bradley Beal is now missing a little time. He is back in um, health and health and safety protocols, but they've largely had pretty good health, especially from Porzingis and Beal to start the season. Yeah. First on Beal, it's his second time in health and safety protocols already this season because he was uh, in it in the preseason, but he was out within, I think, 48 hours. But it's funny, you and I were talking before we we hit record about how uh, young kids are just kind of germ traffickers. And he's got uh, three very young uh, boys. So I'm wondering if if that's part of it, if that's why he keeps getting sick, just because I don't know if those kids are in daycare or not. Um, But certainly, uh, as as you and I well know, that uh, things get passed around. Um, But yeah, that's that's one concerning element of this start. It's it's not like you can blame it on injuries. I mean, they lost DeLon Wright in their fourth game in a win against the Pistons. And he's proven to be extremely valuable in absentia because he was uh, probably their best defender and a guy that you know they could trust uh, in multiple different defensive matchups. So um, losing him was a pretty big deal for sure. But you know even when Beal's out in health and safety protocols, um, you have Kyle Kuzma, you have Kristaps Porzingis, Will Barton, Monte Morris. You got plenty to compete night to night. You, you should be able to the. Uh, you look at the numbers and it's just, it's not, and you watch them and it's the problem isn't like, Oh, we just need to fix this or that. I mean, they're, they're bottom 10 in the league right now in offense and defense, 
But I think you had mentioned, we talked a little before, like you said, the thing that seems to get the most attention right now is that they are just, they're just struggling from three, right? Like they are as a team shooting 28.4% from three. They're just not knocking it down. And they've got better shooters than that with Beal and Porzingis and Kuzma and, and on down the line. Yeah. I mean, they made the fewest threes in the NBA last year. And then this year they're at the same spot, 30th out of 30 teams. Um, and, you know, going into last season, um, I thought they had addressed their three-point shooting problems, which were, you know, a problem the, the year before. Um, I thought maybe they could be a league average three-point shooting team, and then they were dead last in the NBA. And then this offseason, they didn't address it in a major way, but it was kind of like, well, if some of these guys go back to shooting the way they have for the majority of their careers, and if Monte Morris and Will Barton and DeLon Wright and the new additions make an impact, well, maybe they could be league average in three-point shooting. And here they are, once again, the worst three-point shooting team in the league. So I think the sample size is growing to the point where it's like, okay, maybe this is what they are. They just aren't a good three-point shooting team, and it's something that you know you can evaluate some of their moves in retrospect and and wonder um, you know how they can pull themselves out of this because you know for instance they drafted Johnny Davis tenth overall in the draft and yep. he's not a three-point shooter. Um, they have Corey Kispert who they drafted you know, the summer before, but <clears throat> the summer before that they drafted Denny Avdia. He's not a shooter. Um, it's not like they have um, these additions that they've made that are all of a sudden going to make a big difference over time. Now I do think some of these guys um, could shoot better as the season transpires. You know, Rui Hachimura looked much better from three last year. Monte Morris could shoot better. Um, Bradley Beal could shoot better, but it's a major problem, and, and I think all of us who follow the NBA could tell you it's not an ideal problem to have in this day and age because it just shrinks your margin for error. And, you know, you go up against these teams that can just pop off for five threes quickly in a quarter, and the Wizards don't really have the personnel to do that. So sometimes holes can get dug really quickly within games. Yeah, it's it seems to me, just looking at it, they look a little better when running – like when they do get out in transition, which isn't a ton, they're not one of the fastest teams in the league, but when they get out, they're pretty efficient, uh, you know, on the break, but that lack of shooting just stalls out the half court. Yeah, no, I, they, you're absolutely right. There's been um, a little bit of a, a contrast there because Wes Unsell Jr. kind of wanted to slow the pace down a little bit when he took over before last season and make them more efficient in the half court, but they have some players that are seemingly better suited for playing in the open court, like Denny Avdia and Kyle Kuzma. Yeah. I think those guys at 6'9", 6'10", their speed, their uh, ability with the ball in their hands, their passing ability on the run, um, those things are kind of hidden when you're stuck to playing in the half court. Um, and then, you know, when you're in transition, you can create open threes that – most NBA players can knock down with regularity. You know, when you're trailing and all of a sudden yeah. you're on the wing and you get a, a shot in rhythm, um, you know, passed to you from the paint uh, by a guard who's ahead of you. And that's exactly how you practice your threes when you're in, at the practice facility, right? It's usually a coach mm -hmm. rebounding under the rim and, and throwing you a pass uh, at that spot and you catch it in rhythm and knock it down. So the Wizards, I think, have had this sort of disconnect between wanting to slow things down and understanding that there are advantages to speeding things up. Is that slowing it down just the nature of their roster? I mean, like guys who want to kind of 
run it, you know, like Chris Paul's teams are slow because he wants to break down the defense. Is it that or is it a coaching thing? I think it's a general coaching philosophy. I think there's probably some personnel elements to that. Um, Monte Morris, uh, you know, DeLon Wright when he's healthy. Um, it's not like the the speed element that they had with John Wall, certainly, and Russell Westbrook. Uh, you know, naturally the offense is going to slow down when you have uh, that type of change at point guard. But even last year, uh, you know, toward the end when they had Ish Smith, they were able to speed things up and they've had – you know, guys like Ish Smith on their bench in years past, they don't really have someone who can push the pace in that sense. So um, it might be a mix of both. I think it is partly Wes Unsell Jr.'s philosophy and also the personnel that they have. Um, the transition defense it hasn't been terribly strong either, but but they don't let teams run on them too much, right? Like the whole game is slowed down. Yeah, they sell out um, quite a bit on getting back on defense uh, to the point where they're not a very good offensive rebounding team because they just kind of forego offensive rebounding sometimes. Four guys will just run back on defense. So they're very keen on limiting fast break points. Um, So that is definitely part of Wes Unsell Jr.'s strategy, no question. Um, How is Porzingis holding up as as a rim protector? I mean, he's... I've always thought when healthy, he's kind of an underrated player, and and part of that is just that unicorn defense that he can kind of provide. Yeah, he's been good. I mean, overall, that's been one strength for the Wizards uh, this season is limiting points in the paint and limiting just field goal attempts even within five feet of the rim and the the shooting percentage that their opponents are are making in that range, and he's been part of that for sure. Uh, The Wizards... You know, they're right now they're tied for fourth in opponents point, opponent points in the paint when last year they were 21st. So they've definitely improved in that area. Now, I asked Wes Sunsell Jr. the other day about that because they were actually number one at the time. And then, you know, the Brooklyn Nets had some success getting into the paint against them. Yeah. And he said that it's a little bit of a small sample size and um, in, in a product of the teams that they've played so far. They've played teams like Boston and Indiana that get up a lot of threes. And they also played the Sixers without Joel Embiid. So they were going with small lineups and and taking a lot of threes. So we'll see how it plays out over time. But they definitely like the the defensive impact that Kristaps Porzingis provides. Um, Wes Unsell Jr. has raved about how he can defend pick and rolls and how he alters a lot of shots. So his blocks may not reflect, you know, the fact that he's having one of the best defensive years of his career, but... Um, they, they're pleased with what they've seen um, in, in, with his impact overall on that end of the floor. It's just that there's a lot of other missing pieces in their defense, which has resulted in them, as you mentioned earlier, being one of the worst defenses in the league so far. By the way, when we're talking about the the, the Brooklyn Nets game, how are Gafford's ankles? Um, no, <laughs> I, uh, we Actually, I got to say, like, how much is he? He clearly slips a little bit on a wet spot. Now, it yeah. doesn't help. Look. Kevin Durant's Kevin Durant and was making him look bad, but he like, how much is he out there complaining? Like, man, I stepped on a wet spot. It wasn't that bad. <laughs> yeah. I, I think his ankles might've been spared. It was more his groin. He kind of did the split. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, he played last night against the Grizzlies. So there was no injury, uh, but probably an injury to his ego. I would imagine <laughs> uh, he hasn't really discussed it publicly. He did have a, you know, an Instagram post making light of it. Uh, yeah, that was a tough one. That that was a crossover that um, might go on the end of year highlight of the whole oh, yeah. season. Like, might have been the best crossover of the entire season. It was incredible 
the crowd reaction and how long it lasted in Capital One Arena. Obviously, Durant's an opposing player, but he's also a very popular player in every arena, most arenas around the league. Um, even though he has his haters, he remains very popular. And of course, he's from yeah. the D.C. area, so people like him in D.C., um, but it was just like a shocked reaction from the crowd that must have lasted upwards of 10 seconds. I mean, I've been to a lot of NBA games, and it was a very unique crowd reaction. Um, so, yeah, Daniel Gafford, it's going to it's gonna be tough to live that one down. Like, that might go on Kevin Durant's yeah. career highlight reel, and that's saying something. Yeah, exactly. Or, and it's certainly on the end of your stuff. It's kind of that double crossover and just gets him. Right. Um, and he, he, he was lost a little bit before the leg went out, and and, and that just made it. That, well, that just well, took him to the ground and made it look bad. Right, right. And also, it, I don't. I, there was rumors that there was a wet spot on the court, and I don't know if that's it, it, absolutely true. But you know, they do play uh, hockey games in the same arena, so yeah, um, that that does happen. Yeah, they're, 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 all the uh, all the dual purpose. Aside the fact that the guys are just sweating out there, all the dual purpose right. arenas have those have those spots and those moments where you're like, oh, that was that was not good. Um, do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. If a friend asks how you're doing, and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because, If I ask for help, They'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. Is there some, I mean, again, they're, they're, they're four and six. They're not. You know they're not languishing at the the Orlando Detroit level of, of the Eastern Conference, but is there a sense of what like is there something that they think they need to do to turn turn this thing around quickly? Aside getting Beal back, obviously. Yeah, um, I think defend better and and create more opportunities from three. I mean, at least you can maximize the personnel that you do have if you can move the ball and get penetration in the lane and try to create some open threes on the perimeter. There haven't been enough of those. Um, so those I think would be the things that they need to try to work on in the short term. But um, you know, at four and six, it's not far off from what I think most people expected them to be going into this season. I, I think they'll make the playoffs or at least the postseason, and have about a 500 record. So you're two games under 500. It's, it's within the margin for error. Um, and I think what we've seen so far from them is a reminder that sometimes uh, the least stable teams in the NBA are the ones that have records around 500, right? Like if you're a winning team, then you, they win a lot and you expect them to win. And that's just how it goes. And if it's a losing team, then it's the opposite, right? They lose every night and that's right. how it goes. But with the 
three-point shot uh, creating such variance from night to night in the NBA. If you're a 500 team, oftentimes the highs are really high and the lows are really low. So, you know, you can beat the Sixers and in Philly and then um, you can turn right around and have your worst loss in franchise history to the Brooklyn Nets. So it might just be the roller coaster ride that they've uh, strapped themselves into for the rest of the way uh, where – you know, maybe they end up around 41 and 41, but it is an adventure just to get there. Uh, also with the Nets, the, 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 the other controversy that swirls, or the one of the multiple controversies that swirls around that team early in the season uh, with Kyrie Irving, who did not play, right? Did not play, is still suspended against the, during the loss, or during when they beat the Wizards. Um, I know Denny Avia got this, was asked about that. Um, the only player, the only Israeli born player in the league right now, um, I believe, I don't think anybody else is in. Um, I think That's TJ, correct. Yeah. TJ Leaf is out. So yeah, I think it's just him. Um, did he have much of a reaction? I mean, I, I saw the quotes, but it sounded like he was, sounded like he did not want to be in the middle of that. Yeah, it was a pretty measured reaction. I think he said all the right things. I think he did a good job of explaining why uh, comments and messaging like that matters. Um, and I think it was interesting because this isn't the first time that he's had to speak on a subject like that. Of course, there was the Myers Leonard incident yes. where he used a racial slur on, a, um, I think it was a gaming live stream. And that was even more inflammatory and more incendiary, even though it wasn't as big of a deal, of course, because Kyrie doubled down and because he's a bigger star than Myers Leonard was. But, um, you know, that, that was, I think, rookie, the Denny Avdia's rookie year. So, yeah, I, I, w- I remember being impressed with his response then. And so I think he's kind of been down that road before. And I guess uh, if this happens again, hopefully it, this, these types of things don't continue throughout his career. But um, it seems like, you know, he, he kind of knows what to say. He's, he's pretty good with the media. He's a smart guy. So yeah, it, it wasn't like he, you know, went, um, to any, uh, great lengths to, you know, fire back at Kyrie Irving. I think he just had a very reasonable response about how, you know, that has no place in the game and no place in society. And, um, we need to call it out because it's uh, destructive behavior and it can have, uh, ramifications that, you know, may not seem possible in the moment. Yeah. Avdi is one of the guys who's really not struggled this season a little bit. It really just hasn't found his role. Third year, you might be hoping he had taken a step forward. I'm sure he was hoping to for contract reasons, but he kind of really hasn't. Yeah, it's um, a little bit surprising, I would say, because he had, by all accounts, a big summer. Uh, you know, he, he went into the offseason. It was his first full offseason in the NBA. Uh, he also went into it healthy, which was different from his first offseason after his rookie year because he had broken his ankle in April of that season and then had a bunch of setbacks throughout the summer. Um, so he was healthy going into the offseason. He played for his national team and was the star of Team Israel, had a, a go-ahead shot to beat Finland, um, seemed to gain a lot of confidence from that. But we also found out in hindsight that he was dealing with a pretty significant groin injury where as he described it, he had to take a bunch of pills just to keep playing. And by the end of the Euro basket could barely walk. I mean, that's how he described it. So that set him back going into the preseason, but you know, he was ready for the regular season and started on opening night and 
seemed to play pretty decent com- considering he had, he didn't play in any preseason games, but um, that faded very quickly. He lost the starting role uh, and then he was back in the starting role on Sunday night, but uh, just has not been shooting very well. I think struggled early on with not getting any shots because he was in the starting lineup and it was like he was the de facto defensive specialist with Monte Morris, Bradley Beal, Kyle Kuzma, and Chris Porzingis. Um, but he bought into that role. It's just that, you know, he had trouble, of course, naturally guarding guys like James Harden and um, Jason Tatum. Uh, he had some, and Donovan Mitchell, some really tough defensive assignments. So he just hasn't been able to find any consistency yet. Um, but it's early. And, you know, I was so impressed with last year, his second season in the NBA, how he took a leap forward despite having an unusual offseason the, the summer before when he was hurt and, you know, didn't play in summer league or anything like that. He still took a step forward, not only on offense, but particularly on defense. So I think over time, uh, the more that groin injury is is further behind and we could see the same effect. But um, certainly so far, it, he's he's had a rough start to the year, no question. You, you've got to see the the Nets in person, something I haven't quite yet, but hope to, uh, I, I will next weekend when they're out here in Southern California. I, I know you're covering the Wizards. What was the vibe, though, around it? Was it, I mean, that felt to me like they're like, we'd just like to talk about basketball or focus on basketball game, right? Like they, they would like to get past everything else somehow. Yeah, so I went to the Nets shoot-around that morning because I was um, there to interview Markeith Morris. I wanted to catch up with him. He's a former Wizards player. And right. I wanted to get some notes for the broadcast. And so I was kind of there, and it was just a, uh, a storm of uh, just bad PR. <laughs> I mean, the PR staff was doing a great job with all of it, but you know they were dealing with a lot of PR disasters, I should say. Yeah. Uh, so Sean Marks spoke. Kevin Durant spoke and Sean Marks, um, you know, kind of reiterated the press release about Kyrie Irving a lot, but made it clear that, you know, Kyrie Irving's going to have to take some further steps to get back on this team and kind of left the door open that he wouldn't play for the team anymore. Uh, You know, I don't know if he was just covering his bases, but that really stood out to me. And then, of course, Kevin Durant spoke and kind of expressed frustration with the whole situation and then had to clarify his comments like 30 minutes later on Twitter. So that was all a mess. Um, as far as the way they played that night, um, much better than I would have expected given all the, the stuff going on around the team. I mean, Kyrie Irving suspended. Ben Simmons wasn't playing. They fired their their coach earlier in the week, yet they looked much better than the Wizards did. I mean, especially early in that game. And the Wizards hung around, but you but a lot of the shots that the Nets were making, the Wizards were just so slow to close out. And it just looked like the Nets were the much more aggressive team. And then Kevin Durant took over and that was it. But, um, you know, that it was one of the, it was a night that I would say their depth uh, looked pretty impressive, the Brooklyn Nets. I know there's been some questions about that, yeah. but Yuta Watanabe is playing well. I've he always is. liked Royce O'Neal a lot. Nick Claxton, I think, was 9 of 10 in the lane. So they've definitely got some pieces. Talent really isn't the problem for them. No, it really, even on paper, you used to, Yatanabe has been really impressive. I've always been higher on Claxton than most, but I just think you have to be in kind of a specific situation with him, right? Like he is not a, if you've got him on the roster, you still need a, well, they're not going to get Brooke Lopez, but a Robin Lopez, right? Or some mm-hmm. other, or some other, just a big body. Like, the you know, I've been out again. I'm out here in LA. Everybody needs a Zubat, right? Like yeah, Zubat, right? Everybody just needs somebody who can kind of body the other team's big guy. And Zubat's is a little better than I think he gets credit for. He's 
pretty good player. But like you just need that guy who can kind of score around the paint and and be physical inside. No, I mean you're absolutely right. The Wizards have had some issues with that. Uh, they had Robin Lopez a couple years right. ago, and he was perfect in that role. It's like we make so much about how the big man position has changed, but yes, it has changed like in the starting lineup, but every team kind of needs a player like that. Like that, th- those guys yeah. aren't complete dinosaurs. Like, because when, when you don't have one of them and you go up against a Jokic or Embiid, then you definitely miss having them. And we'll see about the wizards this year. They do have Taj Gibson in the third role, but uh, you know, Porzingis and Gafford are both uh, slight, more, yeah. more slighter builds. I mean, obviously Porzingis is seven, three, but um, I wouldn't be surprised if at some point they're they're they themselves are missing a Robin Lopez type. Um, the other guy I wanted to talk with you about was uh, this year's first round draft pick Johnny Davis, who has really struggled. Um, I have to say, I saw him at summer league and thought, "Wow, that is that guy is a long way away from where I think they thought they were taking him tenth, if I'm remembering right." Uh, That's right. You know, um, What's the reaction there? He is he is down in the G League and seemed to okay with it just because he was going to get some run. Yeah, I mean, Wizards fans are, of course, uh, worried about what they've seen so far because uh, he struggled in the Summer League, and it was kind of attributed to some back tightness. Uh, but then he struggled in the preseason and has had some trouble in the, the brief moments he's played so far uh, in the regular season. You know, even when Bradley Beal got hurt, in one game and Corey Kispert was already out uh, and DeLon Wright was out. Um, you know, they've been kind of apprehensive to turn to Johnny Davis. And, you know, if you're the 10th overall pick, ideally the guy would be able to contribute something in the short term. And then of course, present uh, plenty of upside in the long term. But um, even though he was a two year college player and by all accounts, he was a, a smart college player and, yeah. you know, well-rounded player. Um, he definitely has not proven to be a plug and play type of guy. Um, confidence might be an issue. Um, you know, he's also, uh, been adjusting to being a new father off the court. So that, you know, might've thrown his world upside down as you and I can both relate. Yeah. Um, he's also, I I think that the main adjustment on the court though, is just the, the speed and the size. I mean, he was in the big 10 and, you know, he could get past people, but, um, the NBA's athleticism is just on a completely different level. And I think especially maybe when you compare it to the Big Ten, where it's a slower style of play, particularly at Wisconsin. Yeah. So he's had some trouble, I think, just keeping up with other people athletically. I will say, uh, you know, the shooting numbers have been dreadful uh, at every every step of the way, um, except for last night in the G League. Uh, he shot pretty well. I think he was uh, five for six or six for seven from the field. And he also went three for three from three point range, but every other game he's played, you know, it's like two for 12 or like one for eight. Like it's really bad shooting numbers, but I will say defensively, I think he's further along. And I I do try to remind wizards fans. That was a big reason why he was drafted. Um, He was a a guy that, you know, was rated as one of the best perimeter defenders in the draft. And even though he was a 20 point scorer in college, um, I think he might be further along defensively. And it seems like head coach Wes Unzel Jr. agrees because he said recently he's ahead of the curve as an on-ball defender. And that's where you can kind of see the 10th overall pick athleticism come through when he's trailing defenders on the perimeter and, and fighting through and around screens. He is a quick player. He's strong. He's not maybe the fastest guy up and down the court. He's not going to play above the rim. But there are some athletic traits that I think at least lend themselves to the defensive end 
but so far, certainly, I think the early returns and the base level testing is just that it's going to take him some time before he can be trusted in the rotation. Yeah, and like you said, I don't think – I they may not have been banking on him for big minutes this year, but if you're drafting a guy 10th, you expect him in the rotation. You expect something uh, more than more than the G League out of him. Yeah, certainly. I mean, especially when a guy played two years in college and just the style of play and the type of athlete, it's not like some lottery ticket who, you know, barely played in college last year, but has a 48 inch vertical and has got a long wingspan. Like this guy doesn't have those traits. So you would hope that he could figure it out pretty early on because the athletic upside is not the type, not the, not the type that screams long-term project, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, this Wizards losing streak now, and, and for people who don't know, five of six, like you said, it came, they started against the Pacers, but after that, it's been Celtics, 76ers, the Nets, like we said, who have talent, the Grizzlies, who were, you know, second best record in the NBA last year and, and roll the most entertaining player in the league out every night in John Morant. Yeah. <laughs> um, that was obviously in Memphis, but uh, yeah, you, you can't take your eyes off him. It softens up a little bit this week, right? They get the Monday night to the, we were speaking before the game, but the, they, they got, they're in Charlotte, a team that's not off to a fast start. And then they're home for, is it six in a row uh, with some winnable games in there? Yeah, we'll see. I mean, Dallas, obviously, you got to deal with Luka. Yeah. Uh, then they play the Jazz, who are much better than I think most of us expected. And then you see the Grizzlies again. And, you know, the Thunder, that's a winnable game. I know Miami is off to a similar start to the Wizards, but they're still really talented. They actually play the Miami Heat three times in four games, which I don't know if I've ever seen that. In, there's in, more of that schedule this season. Before. There's more of that this season where there's uh, there's some teams that are just really – they're getting them a lot. You've got the the baseball series both in Miami. Uh, yeah, right around Thanksgiving, right? Yeah, yeah. It's the day before and the day after Thanksgiving. So if, you know, with the way the Heat are playing right now, if that continues through the rest of the month, maybe it'd be a good time to see them three times in four games. But yeah, um, certainly anytime you go to Miami, it's tough to win. Um, and the Wizards have had some some trouble with the heat over the years, as most teams have. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this this schedule, this part of the schedule that they just went through, which was Celtics, uh, Sixers twice, Nets, and Grizzlies, you know, even though Embiid didn't play, Kyrie Irving and Ben Simmons didn't play, coming into the year, that looked like it was going to be one of the most difficult parts of the entire schedule. Now, you could kind of pull the, the microscope over some of those games and say, well, you know, Joel Embiid didn't play. You should have won both of them. They only took one game against the Sixers. Um, and maybe they should have taken advantage of the Nets, uh, given the state that they were in. But, um, yeah, I think it, what we've seen so far and, and moving forward is just a reminder the Eastern Conference is pretty tough now. Like I, I said going into this year that I thought the Wizards had the talent to be in the range of as good of the, t- the best teams they had with John Wall and Bradley Beal, but uh, be potentially a 9 or 10 seed because the East is so much better. Like those, those teams that, the, that Bradley Peel and John Wall were on were, were pretty good, but they also took advantage of a weak Eastern Conference. You know, they would get the fifth seed with like 45 wins. Last yeah. year it took a winning record just to make the play-in tournament. When two years before that, um, before the play-in tournament was as constituted, the Wizards actually had the 10th seed in the Eastern Conference, and they were 20 games under 500. Uh, it was the the bubble year. 
So it's a very different uh, landscape now. And, you know, the East was really good last year. And then, you know, a team like the Cavaliers, who I think were the eighth seed, added Donovan Mitchell and had a bunch of young players who are only going to get better. And we've seen them improve this year. So the Wizards are going to have a tough road just playing a lot of Eastern Conference teams. And we've already seen that the effects of that so far. Yeah. And I was one of the things I just wanted to talk with you about was the challenge you've seen of some of these teams now up close, it's just a deep season in the East where you're going to get somebody pretty good every night. You know, Atlanta's improved. Uh, Boston's obviously there. I don't think Miami's going to be this slow. All you know, I think that they will find their they're, they're Miami. They don't quit. They'll find their spot over the course of the season. But who has leapt out at you? Who who have you seen? I mean, you've seen Cleveland. You've seen Chicago, like Boston. Who, who's jumped out at you? Well, Cleveland certainly jumped out. I mean, they um, have had pretty much a best-case scenario so far where the young players look good. I mean, I know Garland has had some injuries, but Donovan Mitchell looks, uh, I mean, yeah, really, like a great fit. And, like, he was the missing piece to turn them into contenders. I mean, 8-1, and one, that's a really good record. I, I think they, they look like, barring health, like they're going to go on a deep playoff run this year. And I thought the Bucks would be the best team in the conference going in, and that's the way things have gone. Um, you know, with Chris Middleton hurt in the playoffs last year, obviously they couldn't go on the run that they would normally be be capable of. But they still have Giannis, who, in my opinion, is the best player in the league. And yeah. Drew Holiday and Middleton are really good. Um, you know, second and third players on a team. Um, the Hawks look good. I, I I think the only surprises I would say are the fact that the Heat have started slow and the Sixers have started slow. The Brooklyn Nets, I wouldn't be surprised if they're kind of hovering around the play-in tournament by the end of the year just because as talented as they are, you know, you can't rely on Kyrie Irving. We knew that going in this year. No, yeah. And Ben Simmons, um, it doesn't look like he's the player that he once was. I, I mean, I don't, I don't really know what's going on there. But, um, yeah, the top of the Eastern Conference, if you asked me going in, I would have said Bucks number one and I think Cavs and Celtics – two and three in, in whatever order that would be. So I think those are the, the top three teams, but we'll see if anyone else can enter that mix. I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, the Heat were right up there by the end of the year as they always are. Yeah, uh, I know the Raptors just lost Siakam, but I, I really like the talent that they have. And, and the Hawks, I mean, I think people have overlooked them. DeJounte Murray seems to be a really good fit next to Trey Young. Yeah. By the way, just to start some improbable rumors, I mean, obviously <laughs> – uh, obviously, the, um, it's the how long does Kevin Durant put up with this buzz is around the league. Like he hasn't asked for a trade. They are not looking to trade him. Please don't go there. But if for, for people listening, but I would also say they're on the watch list of every team around the league is, you know, guys who might. Everybody's looking at that situation going, he asked out over the summer. This doesn't look good. Um is that, I mean, it's easy to say the Wizards would like to be involved, but on a serious level, would the Wizards want to try to bring him home? I'm sure, yeah. I, I don't know whether they could meet the asking price of what yeah. things were rumored to be over the summer, but, you know, first starting with the Brooklyn Nets, I know it was an unusual situation where a superstar player didn't get his way over the summer, but whatever, say whatever you want about Kevin Durant, ultimately... He's an all-time great, and he's in a situation that's kind of not the fault of his own. Like we no, all... by the way, he's balling out. Like he is, yeah, and he's phenomenal this season. And and he's thirty-four. Like, 
you know, he, he, yeah, he decided to join up with Kyrie Irving, but he couldn't have foreseen this. And then they fire the head coach and Ben Simmons isn't, you know, playing. He hasn't been able to stay healthy or play well. Um, I, I wonder at what point Deshaun Marks look at the situation and be like, all right, like we, we can't just like force this guy to stay. Like he is an all time great. He's still got some left in his prime. He's 34. Like we need to do right by him and do right by the game of basketball and get him to greener pastures because you can't trap Kevin Durant in that. And I, I, I you got to be careful with some of the words you use, like trapping a guy, you know, yeah. in New York City, play, making $40 million a year playing a sport that he loves to play. It's not a trap, but at some point, you know, you kind of need to do right by a legend. Um, or else it could come back to bite you later on. Like players, other players, other stars might hold it against you. I could see that happening. So I, I wonder if that if they're going to have to just give in and, and end up trading him now. If they want to hold to the same asking price they had over the summer, where it was like, okay, you know, Devin Booker's not enough. <laughs> you know, if the Suns yeah. want him, then then it'd be tough for the Wizards to compete with that. But certainly they would be interested. I think every step of the way where he's been available um you know the wizards have have been interested why wouldn't you be yeah it's it's a hard asking price to meet because you don't want to give up beal and probably not porzingis and i don't know what i don't know what brooklyn would want back they don't have their own picks so do they just want guys who can start to well you can give a, them a lot a, of expiring contracts kuzma um yeah porzingis could technically opt out but it'd be fun i, I think it'd be really fun to watch Durant and Porzingis play together because yeah. of just uh, how unique of players they are. But Barton's an expiring deal. Uh, Rui Hachimura is an expiring. You could probably help them create a bunch of cap room if you wanted to. Yeah, if, if that's what they're looking to do. And and I'm I, Sean Marks has already dug that team out of an ugly, ugly. I mean, he took over the worst job in basketball after the after King was let go and. They had no draft picks and no good players, and he built up a, a culture that that uh, has felt <laughs> that culture from the Nets four years ago when they were just working hard, scrappy young players just seems forever ago now. That doesn't doesn't yeah. feel like this team at all. But, but you know what's funny about that is like anyone who wants to blame Sean Marks and the Nets for doing what they did by bringing in Durant and Kyrie Irving is operating with hindsight because like, obviously you would do that. It blew up in their faces. It's probably the biggest disappointment of a super team, maybe in sports history, but you you would do the same thing that they did. Yeah, no, it's, it's certainly up there in the NBA super team failures with like the 2004 Lakers and a few others where it was just, you, you thought on paper, this team couldn't, it couldn't not win. And I mean, remember going into last season, we all are like Harden and Irving and Durant. This is a, this, <laughs> who's going to beat these guys. And right. it, it turns out themselves. So, right. Right. Um, and yeah, Boston, I, I, is it just, you feel like I do that they just haven't found their groove yet. And maybe, you know, obviously they've had the coaching change in that situation, but it's also teams that reach the final start slow the next year. They just, yeah, no, it's hard gonna, to get motivated, right? It's just hard. It's hard for teams, I think, to come in with the same. We're seeing it with the Warriors. Sometimes it's just hard to come in with the same energy, and they've got other issues with how their young players have stepped up in, in Golden State. But like, I'm not really worried about Boston. They're also without. They're they're a much better team with Robert Williams in the paint. Like, just that. Oh yeah, he's all defense, and 
they're they're going to be fine at least on the court. I mean, we'll see yeah. about <clears throat> coaching over time how that affects them because obviously it was an unfortunate situation. But I mean, they've got Jason Tatum, who's arguably a top five player in the sport, and he's young enough yeah. where he can continue to get better. Last year, the strides he made on defense and as a passer were really impressive to me. And Jalen Brown's become overshadowed, but he's a really good player. I mean, his efficiency, yeah. his defense, the total package is not consistent enough to be, you know, in the conversation among the best players in the league. But he's young enough where he's got time to still get there. And I really like Malcolm Brogdon, the fit next to Marcus Smart. And I've just always liked him as a player. And, you know, they needed someone who can generate offense from that position. So, um, they've got, a, they've got a really good roster and, you know, you mentioned they haven't hit their stride. They're still third in the East. So yeah, uh, thing, things are just fine for them. And back to the wizards and looking ahead that you kind of mentioned it before. This is a team that look, they're just in the middle of that pack, right? Like Toronto six and four, but they just lost Siakam for what's they're saying two weeks, but it's a groin strain. That's those tend to take longer. Um, they're, 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 I'm sorry, they're reevaluating in two weeks, but I, my guess is more like a month or longer and that hurts them. He was playing at a very high level, but then you've got the bulls, the Knicks, the Pacers, the wizards, they're all kind of, and, and they're all kind of in the mix. So even whatever you think of what's going to happen with Philadelphia and Miami and Brooklyn, and the nets are probably in that same category as the wizards right now, like it's a long season and they're just kind of in the mix where they could like getting into the top six is not out of the question for them. No, it isn't. I mean, health is going to be <clears throat> a big uh, factor yeah. in that, although they've been mostly healthy so far and um, their offense is just really underperformed. I think the wizards need to get their offense going because if you told me going into this year that Bradley Beal and Kristaps Porzingis would both be, averaging career highs and effective field goal percentage and they were healthy through the first 10 games for the most part I, I would think that the Wizards would have a better record than they do and you know with yeah. Beal and Porzingis and Kuzma and if you consider some of the depth pieces they have like Will Barton and Rui Hachimura there's no reason why they should be a bottom five team in points per game now efficiency might be a problem over the course of the year but I think they're going to end up hitting an offensive stride where they put up a lot of points and they play high scoring games, you know, where it's like yeah. 135, 132 and you know whether they win comes down to whether they can get a couple stops at the end or you know who makes the 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 last three in a barrage of them, but um yeah, so far they just they just haven't really shown much of anything on either end of the floor. So, it's hard to evaluate and I'm also, you know, kind of scarred by what happened last year because they started out 10 and 3. I kind of came into this year being like, all right, I'm not going to make too much of what happens early. <laughs> and, but so far it's like most of what happens doesn't look very good. So I'm waiting for them to kind of show us some signs of uh, some positive trajectory on one end of the floor. Uh, exactly. I think if they just get what like you said, if they can get one end of the floor in there, you, you start to look like a, a playoff playing team, right? Like you just right now, nothing's clicking. No, no. And um you know, we'll see. I mean, I've been wrong before about this team. Sometimes they underperform, uh, be it because of injuries or chemistry issues. But it just seems like they're going to be better over time as long as Beal and Porzingis are in the lineup. By the way, I'm obligated by law to say they're not looking to trade Beal right now, right? No. no. Okay. Well, they can't. Um, well, that's true. They can't even trade him. Yeah, they can't, at least for, for a little another month or two, because he signed uh, the extension. But... 
Um, yeah. So yeah, for at least for now, there's no trade rumors, which is obviously a, a, a brief respite in a years long saga. Right. But I imagine that I imagine those rumors will, depending on what happens with the season, but I imagine that those rumors start to float to the surface again next summer like they always do. I think the key phrase there is like they always do. (laughs) I'm sure Brad Brad would say the same thing because it's obviously been going on probably since 2019, I would say. At least. Which is crazy because that's only like, what, four years? But it seems like they've been going on longer than that. Yeah, it does seem like it comes up every time around. And I, he's stayed loyal. They've stayed loyal to him. He's he's got that bag now. I mean, if he really wants to think about it in a year or two, I wouldn't be shocked. Um, but right now, he's just he hasn't been that guy. So, I mean, the guy who looks like all right, where's the greener pasture? He's just not been that player. Yeah, and he's um, he's making one of the biggest contracts in NBA history, and. You know, he's right now it's just been the the three point shooting that hasn't really come around. You know, I'm not too concerned that he's not scoring 30 points a game because he's he's scoring over 20. He's leading the team in scoring and he's shooting well from two point range. Like his efficiency overall is pretty decent and he's averaging he's leading the team in assists, a career high in assists. Um, and Wes Unsell Jr. has raved about his defense so far. So it's like he's all around like had a pretty decent start to the year. Uh, but the three-point shooting continues to be a conundrum for him because this guy, um, I don't know if you know fans who don't watch the Wizards closely remember, but the first like five, six years of his career, he was like Clay Thompson level from three-point yeah. range. And he just dropped off a cliff and it's just continued to go downward and he hasn't really recovered. And uh, it's this kind of long explanation required that, you know, John Wall got hurt and obviously he set up everyone else, everyone around him for easy threes and Brad yeah. had to become more of an on-ball playmaker. But we're, we're still kind of holding out hope that, uh, that the threes will start falling, but they just haven't for the last several years. By the way, what's the reaction been in Washington to John Wall getting back on the court and looking good? He looks really good. He does, <laughs> I mean, he's... Yeah, he looks incredible. I mean, I saw someone juxtapose, uh, you know, a play that he yeah. had last night where he was flying down the court and pulled the ball behind his back and laid it in. And they did it with a play of his when he was with the Wizards like six years ago. And it was the same exact speed and the same exact motion. And it's like this guy ruptured his Achilles and had all these knee injuries. And he's back to being that fast, which was honestly one of the fastest players probably in NBA history. Yeah. Clocked him. I mean, that was like his game, right? Yeah, it's incredible. And it's it's interesting to evaluate like, OK, well, what if the Wizards never traded him? Um, it's easy to say now because here we are two years later after they traded him, which was in the middle of a long injury recovery recovery that, OK, well, maybe him and uh, Bradley Beal could do something. But, you know, you would have wasted a long time that like it was time that the Rockets could waste. And then the Clippers picked him up, you know, at a great time where like all that stuff was behind him. But it would, it would have been – I don't think – I think Wizards fans sleep on how difficult the last few years would have been if the Wizards kept him and yeah. tried to continue playing with Bradley Beal with that amount of money just as dead weight on your salary cap. No, it, it, they, it was time for both sides to kind of just move on. But it, I, I, it's, been a, it's been fun to see him back and see him enjoying it. And, um, you know, hey, he's a, he is a fun player. He's got a lot more craft to his game now too. He's just – he's – He's always had a little, but I mean, like you said, when he first started in the league, it was all speed. 
And over time, that's really developed into he was an all NBA point guard for you guys for out out in Washington for years. Um, yeah. And I don't know that he's back to that level, but uh, he'd get six man of the year votes right now. He's he's played, frankly, he's played better than Reggie Jackson for the Clippers. And Ty Lue's got some some decisions to make on his end as well. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's great to see him succeed after all he's been through, not only on the court, but off the court. And also it's great to see him buy into this role that, you know, I don't know if it ever would have happened in Washington because he was the franchise guy. But yeah. He's been through a lot. It's humbled him. And I think he's 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 found the perfect situation for him and the perfect role for him to carve a new chapter in his career. Yep. Well, Chase, thanks for doing this. Thanks for talking uh, Wizards and, and East with us. Uh, we will do that again throughout the year, hopefully. Absolutely, man. Let's do it again. All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll be back on Wednesday, myself and Corey Robinson, with our weekly conversation about uh, all things going on in the NBA. I don't know if the Wizards will come in that up in that one. I'm guessing that the Nets will. But we'll we'll get back to that and talk to you on Wednesday. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Buying a master mechanics tool set usually means high prices, higher interest rates, and who knows how many years of monthly payments. But at GearWrench, we don't believe that your tools should take years and years to pay for. So check out Mega Mod Master Sets, the master mechanics tool sets that deliver pro-quality tools, organized storage solutions, an easy-to-use lifetime warranty, and much, much more. All for thousands less than you'd expect. So don't wait. Explore the sets and check availability now. Only at GearWrench.com. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.